You see, when you come to Christ, He doesn't just give you a little blessing. He lavishes His grace on you. He abounds in riches for all who call upon Him. He gives you peace. He gives you not only peace with God, but the peace of God that surpasses comprehension. I talk to Christians in tough circumstances, and they tell me, Scott, I I don't understand it, but I have peace. The peace of God that God gives. He lavishes good things on us. He doesn't just say, okay, I'll, I'll forgive you, but don't ever let it. He doesn't remember our sin. He washes it. He puts as far as the east is from the west, and He gives us a conscious assurance of that, that we stand in Christ complete. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, Good News for All Who Call. And we invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Whether you're talking about initial salvation or decisions in life, The question is, what does the Scripture say? And Paul says, the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. Whoever, what a tremendous word, whoever. Doesn't matter who you are. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him, should not perish, but have eternal life. I don't think I'll ever get tired of that truth. I think you and I, Christian, will be singing that song a million years from now. I still remember when I, the struggle in my heart that I was part of that whoever. I could lay hold of Christ. You are today. Whoever believes in Him. doesn't matter who you are. This isn't a white gospel. It's not a black gospel. It's not a narrow gospel. It's a gospel for whoever. I want you to go make disciples of all the nations, Jesus said. I want you to go out, He said in Luke 24, and proclaim forgiveness of sins in My name to all the nations. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter if you raised in the church or weren't. If you'll come to Jesus Christ... You'll be part of that whoever. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. I know that there's one suggesting in your ear, well, what I've done is too awful. I think of Jesus dealing with that woman after the disciples left, and she was a notorious sinner. And he said, whoever drinks of the water that I give won't get thirsty again whoever. And he proclaimed the good news to her. Rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Zacchaeus, you know, the tax gatherer, I read in the Bible, Luke 19, that he was rich, but he found Christ. He found real riches. And a couple chapters later, I read about the poor widow who had nothing, but she was rich in God. Doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter whether you have a religious background or an irreligious background, rich, poor, middle class, has nothing to do with those things. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord. You remember when Jesus called uh, another, you know, tax gatherer in those days was about as popular as it is today. (laughs) Uh, But it, it was a little more of a byword because they made their living off of, I guess it wasn't all that different. 
But anyway, that really was a byword for a sinner because it was just it spoke of graft and corruption. And so when Jesus called Matthew or Levi, he was called. They said, "Look at that! He's he's calling sinners, tax gatherers." And what Jesus Christ said was, "What? Listen, you don't send the doctor to the well, people." I came. I'm the physician. I came not for the healthy, but for the sick. I didn't come for the self-righteous. I came for the sinners. That means you and I qualify. And you can come to Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. Paul was gripped by this truth. He's the one that wrote this, of course. He's quoting Scripture. It had all come down to his heart. The light had dawned. And he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm the foremost of all. That is good news, sinner. You can come and be cleansed. You can be forgiven. And you'll never be disappointed. Just look at verse 11 and enjoy it. Today, the news that I proclaim is a universal gospel. It's a free gospel. It's an available gospel for whoever... Listen to the words sometimes that we forget of Jesus. Just listen to Jesus' words. In Mark, he summoned the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He didn't say get in line. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me. Today, if you wish to come after Christ... Come, he said, for whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Whoever, whoever loses his life shall save it. Matthew 11, he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Luke 9, whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. John, who heard him say that so many times, wrote in his first epistle, We have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 1 John 4, 14 and 15. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. You come to Jesus Christ and you won't be disappointed. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. I've never met a person who regrets coming to Christ. You really come to Christ and you are not disappointed. I know we get disappointed in everything else and everyone else. So it's a little bit hard to believe maybe the gospel is. But you come to the God who died for you and you will not be disappointed. There's no distinction. Look at verse 12. Between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon Him. There's no distinction. Now, the last time we saw this phrase was back in chapter 3, and he said, there's no distinction. All have sinned. And the next time you find it, he's saying, there's no distinction. All can be saved. Come to me. Jew, Greek, The same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon Him. You know, many people stumble on this point because you'll never know the joy of verse 12, the no distinction here, if you haven't owned up to the no distinction in chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. 
There is no distinction, for all have sinned. Many people, right at that point, don't want to take their place with the common sinner. Maybe you have resented the gospel because it said you had to be saved. It said you needed a Savior. It says that you have nothing to offer God but sin. A lot of people stumble. Israel certainly did. Israel stumbled right here. But you take your place in chapter 3 as no distinction. You're just as bad as the worst person you can think of before a holy God. You have no claim on God. You take your place as a sinner, and then you can enjoy verse 12. You see, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. A lot of people will acknowledge sin, but few mourn it who really admit it and mourn their sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Take your place as a sinner, and you can enjoy the comfort and the joy and the salvation of Jesus Christ. And that's not all. Notice what he says, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. It isn't that the Lord of all is begrudgingly willing to save. He's not stingy. He abounds in riches for all who call upon him. To use his language, he freely gave. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You know, not like those boxes you open up and there's nothing there. He packed it in, the blessings. Good measure, shaken down, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap, he said, if you'll give like it's been given to you. He has lavished his grace on us, Ephesians says. We were destitute, but God was rich in mercy. And Paul wrote in Ephesians 3, I think it's verse 8, he said to me, the very least of all the saints has been given this grace, this grace to proclaim the unsearchable, the unfathomable riches of Christ. You see, when you come to Christ, He doesn't just give you a little blessing. He lavishes His grace on you. He abounds in riches for all who call upon Him. You stand in the same blessing that Paul stood in, that Peter stood in. He gives you peace. He gives you not only peace with God, but the peace of God that surpasses comprehension. I talk to Christians in tough circumstances, and they tell me, Scott, I, I don't understand it, but I have peace. And oftentimes it's already dawned on them. They say, you know, it's the peace like he talked about that surpasses comprehension. The peace of God that God gives. He lavishes good things on us. He doesn't just say, okay, I'll, I'll forgive you, but don't ever let it. He doesn't remember our sin. He washes, he puts as far as the east is from the west, and he gives us a conscious assurance of that, that we stand in Christ complete. I mean, you think about it. No wonder we Christians rejoice. No wonder music, you know, is centered around thanks and praise and worship because he has given us so much. He has lavished His grace on us. He gives each of us His Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, we could review the whole book of Romans easily from verse 12 when we think about the riches for all who call upon Him. He gives each of us His Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave us like orphans. He lives within us. And His Holy Spirit teaches us 
and guides us and comforts us. God himself, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go, I won't send him, but I go, I'll send him to you. And you today, Christian, have God the Spirit living in you. And he's ready to comfort. He's ready to teach. He's ready to guide. He's ready to empower your life. I mean, you just think about the, I mean, the same Lord is Lord of all, he says. You know, the Lord that prayed for Paul is praying for you today, Christian. Think about that. Maybe it's better to say the Lord who prayed for Peter, Simon, Simon. Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And he saw Peter through the valley. The same Lord who prayed for Peter is praying for me and you, believer. I mean, we should enjoy it. It seems to me verse 12 should uh, not be slipped over lightly. It's for all who call upon him. Listen to the psalmist. This has always been true of God's dealings with sinners. If you'll call on him, listen to the psalmist, Psalm 86, 5. Thou, O Lord, art good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon thee. Or Psalm 34, David said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard and saved him out of all his troubles. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, who call upon him in truth. He says, who will call on him? I mean, stop and think about it a minute. It's striking me as I, I just spent the week, really, just meditating on this and mulling this over and letting scripture sift through my mind. Those who call upon him are those who sense their need. Those who are thirsty. Ho, Isaiah. I always remember 55, how it starts. Ho, he says, and you kind of catch your idea, catch your mind. He says, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come buy. Buy milk and wine without money because you don't have any. Come. Buy it without cost. He'll quench your thirst. Have you... uh called out to him. Christians are those who have sensed their destitute situation. Maybe you tried what this world had to offer and you came up dry and bored and empty. Maybe even right now as I speak, you've got things together, the career's going okay, but there's an emptiness inside. If you're thirsty, come to the fountain of life. You know, Jesus said, He, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. He who believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I'm telling you, when you come to Christ, it isn't that he just kind of deals with your thirst a little bit. From your innermost being flow rivers of living water, John 7, 38. His Holy Spirit comes and takes up residency in you, and there is a fulfillment, there is a joy, there is a... Not only the thirst quenched, but an ability to be a blessing to others, to point others to him. Now, it's for all who call upon him. And then notice, don't miss verse 13, because he doesn't just leave it there. 
He says, for whoever, and he quotes from Joel now, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. I want to be very clear here. You call on the name of Jesus. I want his name called Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to name him Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. God was very specific. And it's those who call on his name. It's not to call in a vague way on God and refuse to honor his son. In fact, Jesus said in John 5.23, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And I know it's popular today in a day of pluralism and in a day of uh, non-discrimination and in a day of tolerance to say, as long as you call on God. And the idea behind it is not a simple-hearted faith that lays hold of God the Savior and maybe barely knows what Jesus means, but has you know come to submit to the God of the Bible who sent his son. That's not the idea when they say that. The idea being said today is that you can just call on that vague God and you don't have to go through Christ. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the Scripture says, the man Christ Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You can't call him Allah. Because by definition, those who call him Allah say Jesus Christ is not God. You must come to him on his terms. You call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. The gospel is universally available to all who will call on the name of the Lord. Oh, it's important to see that. And you know... Uh, Both Peter and Paul quote this text from Joel. Peter did on the day of Pentecost, and Paul does here. And both of them take the name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh, the name of Jehovah from the Old Testament, and tell us who it is. It's Jesus Christ. And believers in God are those who've seen Him. Emmanuel, God with us. And they're glad to say, Jesus is Lord. You see, we haven't left the text here. He said... If you'll confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And God marked him out through the resurrection as the unique, only begotten Son of God. And you must call on the name of the Lord. Uh, You still might be saying, though, okay, I, I understand that, but what does it mean to call on his name? It's to invoke His name in faith. I mean, I'm not talking about a little formula. We talked about that last time. It's not to just recite some words or go through a a particular ritual. It's to lay hold of who Jesus Christ really is. In Scripture, name refers to character, who He is, what He's done for you. He died and rose again on your behalf, and you call on His name. It's your only hope. You rely on Him. You take refuge in Him. You rest in Him. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. It's not a casual thing. I remember I was in a hospital with a guy. And I said to him, Have you really called on the name of the Lord? And he said, Oh, Scott. He said, You don't make it through World War II 
without calling on the name of the Lord. And I thought to myself, oh, yes, you do. Millions did. Scott, you don't make it through the World War II, was his tone. And I'd heard him use the Lord's name in my conversation, and I knew that he he showed no real evidence of having laid hold of Jesus Christ. But he said, you don't make it through the war. Now, I'm not talking about calling out to the Lord in a jam. I'm not talking about calling out to the Lord when you're in danger or when the kids are really sick and pray for health or when you're just emotionally fraught and you just pray for some peace and stability. Those things might be avenues to come to call on the name of the Lord, and God graciously uses times of danger or times of a health failure or crisis or emotional upset. He uses those things, and Jesus met people in every realm of life. And if today you're here only because maybe one of those things has happened in your life, you are emotionally fraught, you are beside yourself, good news. You can call on the name of the Lord, but it's not merely to get through the crisis or to get through the war unscathed. No, it's coming as a sinner and calling on the name of the Savior, and you'll be saved. You will be saved. Look at it, verse 13. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He didn't say, call on the name of a church. There's no church that can save you. He didn't say, call on the name of a denomination. He didn't say, call on the name of a philosophy. Now make sure you've called on the name of Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Listen once again to the great invitation, the last page of the Bible. The Spirit and the Bride, the Holy Spirit and His church today say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. By the way, that means those of us who've heard, we should say, the Spirit says. And we'll talk about that next week because he doesn't stop here in Romans. He says, how are they going to hear if we don't tell them? We've got to call them. Come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who's thirsty, come. If you recognize you need Christ, if you're dry and parched and guilty, come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Sometimes people tell me it's almost too good to be true. It's the most true thing you'll ever hear. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God was rich in mercy. When we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins, He made us alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our transgressions. That's the truth of it. And it is good news. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Good News for All Who Call, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans 
that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That wasn't just true in the Roman Empire of Paul's day. That's true today. There is only one way to be right with God Almighty, and it's through His Son who came to this earth, Jesus Christ. You must call on the name of the Lord. But how are you going to call on the name of the Lord if you haven't believed in Him? And how are you going to believe in Him if you haven't heard of Him? And how are you going to hear if someone doesn't tell you? And how are we going to send preachers and heralds and proclaimers out if we don't send them out? So you watch the order, and it's very logical and very clear, and it ought to grip our hearts. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Priority of Proclamation. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.